Well, you will be happy to know that we have survived some of the most difficult passages of our spiritual dentistry series. Actually, last week people are like, that was one of the worst topics for Mother's Day I could ever imagine. <laughs> it was so exciting to talk about the worst on Mother's Day. It was great. So you don't have to worry about that. Now it gets easy. Jesus gets easy now. We already did our root canals. We did all of our cavities. Now the teeth cleaning comes in. And today's message will be really easy. All it's about is being honest and being truthful. Something none of us have a problem with. That's why the title of this is Truly True. Being truly true. It's an issue of being a person of integrity. So today we're going to talk about vows, oaths, lies, and truth-telling. And before we start, I have a Bible here. I'm going to put my Bible right there. I'm going to raise my hand. And today, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And really, that's what we're going to talk about today. Really, the difference between telling the truth and telling the whole truth. And is there a difference? Let's open up to Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to turn to verse 33. And we're going to look all the way through 37 as we're going to continue our spiritual dentistry series. Starting verse 33. Char, did you see that? How it dribbled. You're evaluating if I'm as good as your daughter. I'll never be as good speaking. Her daughter was one speaking. She was fantastic. Tell her she preaches next week. All right, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil, or it comes from the devil. So this section, I would say, has some debatable questions. Um, our objective is to say, what is Jesus really talking about? Because a lot of people get this confused. In fact, some people take verse 34 to mean, well, then I'm never allowed to say an oath, so I should never pledge allegiance to the flag. I shouldn't say I do in a marriage ceremony. If I'm going to join the military, I should not do an oath to the Constitution. None of that. And that's not what it's really talking about. As we have gone through the spiritual dentistry series, what Jesus does is he talks about some law in the Old Testament, how the Pharisees would talk about it. Normally, they just deal with it from the surface. And Jesus would say, let's go underneath the surface to see what was the intent. What was Jesus talking about? So with this, there's three possibilities, three possible Old Testament laws he's addressing. It could be Exodus 20, verse 7, which is, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord or take the Lord's name in vain. Is that what he's talking about? Yes, he is talking about that. We have to be very careful how we treat God's hallowed or holy name. We should not bring it down to just common vernacular middle of the, you know, middle of the road type of thing. We're talking about the name of God. And when we use the name of God 
to back up our words, ooh, we got to be careful. Because if we're lying, we're dredging his name as well. Could it be the ninth commandment, do not bear false witness? Yes. It's talking about that as well, the idea of perjury. You shouldn't lie, especially when you're in court. Don't spread false rumors about other people. Don't mislead people when you are talking. Yes, it's about that. But I think Jesus is addressing both of these issues as it says in Leviticus 19. Listen to what Leviticus 19.12 says. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So the idea is we should not use God's name when we are telling people, especially if we are doing it with the knowledge that I might be fudging the truth. In other words, what Jesus is saying, we just need to stop lying. We need to be people of integrity through and through. Truly true. Because what you're going to see is the Pharisees knew how to hedge on the Old Testament law to their advantage. So what he's going to talk about is oath giving. And so the question is, what is an oath? We're going to talk about what an oath is. We're going to talk about how they misused oaths and how we misuse oaths. We're going to talk about why oath giving, in the context of what he's saying, is actually evil. It's from the devil. And then ultimately we're going to say, then what do we do? How do we avoid this evil? So the first thing is, what is an oath? And one definition is this, is it's an appeal made to God in public. So I'm in a public place, I'm making an appeal to God as my witness, calling him to, in a sense, back up my words, and it's a statement that's made in connection to an event or a fact that either happened in the past, is happening right now, or something that's going to happen in the future. So it's sort of like, I, I said, yeah, la- I did the dishes, Mom. I swear to God. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Or right now, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying as God is my witness. Or it's something in the future. Is I will be there tomorrow at our appointment. I am not lying. That's the idea. Some people are saying, well, why, why do you need to make those vows? Because it's the idea of a vow is, It's trying to tell other people that what I'm saying, I really mean it. I really mean it. Shouldn't a person always mean it? It's a good question. Shouldn't a person always mean what they say? Yeah, but I'm really meaning it right now. Well, in a sense, God vowed. He makes vows all the time. When he would give a promise, he'd make a vow based on his character because God does not lie. So his vow is to say, I don't lie. You can read that in Hebrew. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, many times people made vows. Jesus made a vow to the Sanhedrin. And the idea of a person making a vow, it's, it's almost a vow for their sake. Remember last week we had all these parents up here dedicating their children, themselves to their children, and they would say, we do. In a sense, they weren't saying, we do for you. They were saying, we do for themselves to say, God is watching. So I better make a vow because I better treat this seriously. But look at Ecclesiastes 5 a second. We have to be careful even with that. Ecclesiastes 5 is one of those 
sections that if you read it rightly, it should cause you to tremble a little bit. Starting in verse 1, Ecclesiastes is right after Psalms. Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote it. In verse 1 he says in chapter 5, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So they would often offer sacrifices and give a vow. I promise God I'm going to do this. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. So the idea is when we call God to account, to our word, we have to be very careful. We're not playing with somebody that is trivial. We're playing with God himself. And we play with God all the time with our words when we make what I would say hasty vows. It's the idea of swearing a note. And that's the problem Jesus is going to address. I want you to listen to this as doing some research on what is Jesus really talking about because it can be really confusing. But this will make it clear. The writer says the Jews of Jesus' day had trouble telling the truth consistently just like you and I do. So in order to guard themselves about being found guilty of swearing falsely by the name of God, it seems that they had firmly established the habit of swearing by everything except God. So because they didn't want to break the third commandment, don't misuse the name of the Lord, they wouldn't misuse the name of the Lord, so they'd swear to something less, like heaven, like earth, Jerusalem, gold, the gold on the altar, or even the hair on their head. And the reason why is if they made an oath to those things, then they weren't really going to violate misusing God's name if they were going to lie. So they're hedging their bets, knowing they probably are going to lie. So they lie about something less. They wanted to add some kind of force, the writer says, to their promises to make their words more credible. But they didn't want to incur the judgment of God by swearing something in his name when they didn't fully intend to make it good, or when it wasn't entirely true. So they created what was in effect a lesser class of oaths, oaths that were bound to various parts of God's creation rather than to God himself. James Montgomery Boyce refers to this practice as evasive swearing. You know what it is? It's this. I'm telling you, I will I borrow your pocket night, I will give it back to you. I cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. That's what the idea is. And so the point is, I'm telling you the truth, and if I'm not, I hope to die, even knowing that I'm lying to you. I probably will never give back the pocket knife because I kind of like it. But I cross my heart, hope to die. It's funny, I was watching, if you've ever watched um, Survivor, 
Survivor's based on lying. It's based on lying. It's the person who can outlast the rest. And there was a guy who won one year. His name was Tony. And Tony was a shyster. And a shyster is a guy, you know he's lying, but he's really good at it. And he would always say, hey, if you vote for me, I'll vote for you. On my mother's grave, I'll promise it to you. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. On my sister's good heart, I'll promise that to you. Those are just lies. Those are just intentional lies to make it seem like I'm being honest. And truthfully, we do that a lot. We will, I swear to God. Huh. What Jesus is saying is that kind of talking is actually evil. Because you really are intending to lie. So the Pharisees knew they were sounding religious, but they knew in the back of their mind they weren't meaning what they were saying. And Jesus said, this is something that is about who you are on the inside. You're not a person of integrity. So he's going to say why oaths are wrong for three reasons. The first reason is oaths just prove people lie. Why else would I say, I promise you, because you don't believe me. They are obvious points that we in the depths of our souls are liars. It's reading this book. It was it's called The Day America Told the Truth. It was written in the 1990s. And they said nine out of, in this book it says nine out of ten people lie daily purposely. And I think even that stat is lying because I think it's ten out of ten. We're just in our core, we're liars. It said, in this book it said one third of marriages Either a person in that marriage had an affair or are in an affair or are thinking of having an affair at the time that they researched this. This is 1990. Could you imagine it today? An affair is basically just a constant lie to your spouse. Constant lie. They said, actually this is something else I read. It wasn't in this book. I was reading on dating apps like eHarmony or any kind of dating app, they said 60 to 75% of all the biographies on a dating app has a blatant lie in it. And they said usually the female will, uh, the female will lie about her weight and the male will lie about his age or income. 60-75% of dating apps are lies. And then about 11 years ago, you said that movie Catfish came out. Have any of you ever heard of Catfish? It's a, it's a sad story. It's about this guy who was falling in love with a lady online on Facebook, and she was beautiful and blonde and young, and for three years she'd send new pictures. And he said, when can we meet? And she just could never meet. He's like, why can't we ever meet? Like he was in love with her. So he figured out where she lived, and he wanted to pay a surprise visit. He paid a surprise visit at her house, and she was an old married woman who was just loving the false romance. It's called catfishing. The idea is that those people online, a lot of people online are actually not the people they say they are. It's kind of sad. It's very sad. And then if you really think about it, when you take a selfie, click and you put a filter on it, isn't that a lie? 
I don't want you to really see who I am. I want you to see who I want you to think I am. Somebody said, Chris, all of your pictures are all filtered. I said, but I filter mine. <laughs> negative. Yeah, I do negative filters. Because I look good in person. I'm kidding. I'm, I know, that's bad. Lightning will strike. <laughs> Actually, I like, I, about five years ago, I decided I'd try to do these things that were feel better posts, you know, because normally on Facebook, everybody's post is, look how great my life is. Look, I'm in, I'm on Costa Rica and a $40,000 apartment. Isn't my life great? And I, you know, I was, I remember in spring break, everybody's gone and I'm home. And so I decided to do a feel better post where I'm all alone in my office while everybody's gone with a black, dreary office. And I said, feel better. Spring break with Chris Reed. Stuck at home. To make everybody feel better. Because it seems like everybody has a great life. Everybody does. That's because people lie. In them. It's in us. Wicked. Rotten. Second thing about oaths is oaths' objective is to get me to try to stop lying. That's the purpose of an oath. But they are actually doing just the opposite. It's so... If I tell you, let me just think through this. So if I say, if I'm talking to you and I say, I'm going to tell you the truth now. So you haven't been telling the truth the whole time? No, no, no. Can I be honest with you? No, you can't be honest with me. <laughs> we say that, I'm going to be honest with you right now. So you haven't been honest with me? It actually does the reverse. It shows you that most of the time I've been lying to you then. Really? Or when I say, I swear to God, I swear to God. So that means God is now paying attention. If I don't swear to God, he's probably just letting it go, right? Is that the intent? Look at Matthew. I want to show you something. Matthew, Jesus ratchets up the seriousness of our words in Matthew chapter 12. This is a very scary verse. Matthew 12, verse 36. Matthew 12, 36, Jesus says, I tell you, and when he says, I tell you, in some versions it says, verily, verily, truthfully, I'm telling you, because people don't believe his word. So he says, I, I tell you, I, the Lord, tell you. On the day of judgment, what is the day of judgment? When people will be coming before the throne of God to be judged. People will give an account. It's not, they might, they possibly, no, they will give an account for every careless word they speak. Really? Yep. So in other words, I don't even need to hedge my bets with a word like truthfully because I'm already going to be accountable to what I tell you. So if I said I will be there tomorrow, I should be there. I... Shouldn't a person always mean what they say? Christians should. Or what if the president doesn't swear in a Bible that he's going to uphold the Constitution? If he doesn't, maybe he doesn't have to uphold the Constitution. Well, he doesn't anyhow, so it doesn't matter. All right, let's go to the next one. Oaths make room for lies. So in fact, not only are you trying to communicate to yourself to stop lying, oaths make room for lies. I, um, I've 
read this book. It's by a guy named Jordan Peterson. I like Jordan Peterson. He's not a Christian. He's considering being a Christian, but he's a clinical psychologist. And this book's okay. I wouldn't recommend this book, but he does have a great chapter. And it's his best chapter is chapter 8, and the title of it is Tell the Truth or at Least Don't Lie. And the reason why this is such a good chapter, as a clinical psychologist, he says, all of my patients who have psychoses or mental issues, if you trace it back, it always begins when they began lying. That's where it always begins. And I'll talk about why. Because basically when you become a liar, you split yourself in half. And I'll explain that in a, a bit. But he, he says this about words. He says, taking the, you have two choices when you talk. You can either take the easy route or you can tell the truth. Those are not merely two different choices, he says. They are different pathways through life. They are different ways to exist. We think, if I just hedge on my words right now, I can tell the truth later. He's saying, no, no, no. Once you start hedging, it starts to become you. Lying kind of adds up to it. It starts snowballing. He says, you can use words to manipulate the word into delivering what you want. This is what it means to act politically. This is spin. It's the speciality of unscrupulous marketers, salesmen, advertisers, pickup artists, slogan-possessed utopians, and psychopaths. So if you think about it, like when he said marketers, I was in marketing class. And in fact, I watch, I watch advertise, I like to watch advertisements. My family thinks I'm crazy, but I watch them so I can tell my kids they are not telling the truth. If you go to Dominic's Pizza and bring it home, not everybody's going to smile all the time eating pizza. They just aren't. That's a lie. A party's not going to... If I drink a Sprite, it does not mean good-looking girls will all of a sudden want to hang out with me. That's just... All advertising is intentional lying. So when they say that's the best toothpaste, what does that word even mean? It doesn't mean anything. And we use words like this all the time. They are words that are not meant to tell me anything specifically. They're meant to manipulate me. So when they say, you know, nine out of ten dentists prefer nine out of ten dentists prefer Colgate, are those nine out of ten dentists your relatives? Who are these nine out of ten dentists? Well, they're guys that agree with me, so it's all manipulation. Oh, ad I can't even tell you how advertisement drives me crazy. I had this class on the ethics of advertising, and the idea was Really, there's no ethics to advertising. And we live in this kind of world where everything's hype and lies and filtered selfies. Anyhow, I'm on that selfie thing. Doesn't it kind of drive you crazy after a while? I was talking to somebody after the first service, and I was saying, you know what's funny is when you're actually talking to somebody, your friend, you really, as you're talking to them, you really don't notice what they look like. Like you know their soul, you don't know what they look like. But when you're, everything is online, everything becomes about looks. And it's kind of sick. Because it's shallow. It's shallow. So, oaths make room for lies. What it does, it puts on a false front. Like I'm actually a very honest person, but in truth, my honesty is so I can hide my dishonesty. 
There's two kinds of sins, actually. There's sin of commission, and then there's the sin of omission. Sin of commission is when I do something blatantly wrong. So when it comes to words, the sin of commission is when I know I'm lying to you. The sin of omission is when I don't tell you something that I know to be true, but you don't know that. So when I lie, like I'm, I'm telling you the truth, knowing I'm not giving you the whole truth, I'm actually, the sin of omission is actually worse. So if I tell Johnny, my son's Johnny, let's say, Johnny, I don't want you to hang out with Jim. I don't want you and Jimmy hanging out. I don't like Jimmy. All right, Dad, I swear I won't go to Jimmy's house. All right, you better not. And then if my daughter Sally sees Johnny at the party with Jimmy, hey, Dad, Johnny was with Jimmy, and I go to Johnny, you're with Jimmy. Dad, no, I swore I wouldn't go to his house. Yeah, but you were still with Jimmy at another house, so you're lying to me. So that swearing is actually intended to have you have a cover for my lies. It's called the sin of omission. The oath doesn't allow us to get down to the core of self. So what is Jesus' answer for this? Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. One writer calls this essential righteousness. It means in the core of my being, I'm full of light, so I have nothing to hide, so I don't need to hedge my bets. Are you going to be there today? Yes. Are you telling me the truth? Yes. Oh, man, I'm really telling you. I'm a, can I be honest with you? No, no, just lie to me. You know, we just let your yes be yes and your no be no because Jesus says we need to have our whole self full of light called integrity. So here's what, this is a really interesting, very interesting statement by uh, Jordan Peterson. He asked the question, what would happen if we tried to stop lying? And he said, well, I began to try this. So I began paying much closer attention to what I was doing and saying. The experience was disconcerting, to say the least. I soon divided myself into two parts, one that spoke and one more detached that paid attention and judged. I soon came to realize that almost everything I said was untrue. I had motives for saying these things. I wanted to win arguments and gain status and impress people and get what I wanted. I was using language to bend and twist the world into delivering what I thought was necessary. But I was fake. Realizing this, I started to practice only saying things that the internal voice would not object to. I started to practice telling the truth, or at least not lying. I soon learned that such a skill came in very handy when I didn't know what else to do. What should you do when you don't know what to do? Tell the truth. And that is so hard. I, I, started, I, I started realizing this, like sometimes when you counsel, you get some really bad cases. And you start talking to the person about their sin, and it's really weird. Sometimes people will separate them, the sinner self to the evaluating self. So they'll stand on this side and they'll look at the sinner self. Yes, I did that, and that was the wrong thing to do. And they almost talk with you about their other self. Where integrity is saying, put both of those together, and when you do something wrong, it should cut you right now. 
It's not something to evaluate. It's something to be broken about. Where what happens when you become a good liar, you're able to say, all right, I know that's the truth, but I'm going to kind of lie about it over here. And so you kind of separate yourself from your true self. It's strange. Liars are detached. And they no longer are broken about their sin. And when you are no longer broken about your sin, ask yourself, why? Because you live in lies? 2 Corinthians says, one of the ways that you can tell somebody's truly sorrowful is when they get mad at what they just did. They get mad at themselves. And what's funny, liars have a apathetic feeling about their lives. It's not, it's not hatred towards their sin. You probably heard it said, what's the opposite of love? It's not hate. It's not hate. It's apathy. So simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Actually, I didn't read this earlier. I think this is really interesting. If you say no to your boss or your spouse or your mother when it needs to be said, then you transform yourself into someone who can say no when it needs to be said. If you say yes when no needs to be said, However, you transform yourself into someone who can only say yes, even when it is very clearly time to say no. If you ever wonder how perfectly ordinary, decent people could find themselves doing the terrible things the gulag camp guards did, you now have your answer. By the time no seriously needed to be said, there was no one left capable of saying it. If you betray yourself, if you say untrue things, if you act out a lie, you weaken your character. If you have a weak character, then adversity will mow you down when it appears, as it will inevitably. You will hide, but there will be no place left to hide, and then you will find yourself doing terrible things. The point is, if you know something is wrong, say it. Don't just back away and kind of bow out. That's what it means to be salt, actually. If you say yes when you know you should be saying no, it does something to you on the inside. Why is this so important? Here's the reason why I think truthfulness is so important. Listen to this. Who will believe that the gospel is truth if those who share it don't live in truth? Because the truth, the gospel is true truth. How Francis Schaeffer says it. True truth. It is, in its essence, what reality actually is. But if the people who have been given the message of the gospel are not truly true on the inside, nobody will believe the gospel itself is truly true. And in fact, if somebody is going to believe the gospel, they have to, for the first time, actually live in truth. Because sin, which corrupts all of us, lies to us. So if the person giving the truth is actually lying, the liar will say, why do I need to be truthful? So if you are living a lie and you're a gospel minister, you're living actually the opposite for what you are communicating. That's why truth is so important. Because truth is what sets people free. 
In fact, that's what salvation is. It's somebody finally admitting, I'm a sinner and I deserve eternal damnation and Jesus died for me. That's what saves, is exposed truth. So the final question is, are you a liar? Because be very careful, because lying is Satan's domain. He is the father of lies. And did you know, I heard it once said, lying is actually the worst sin, because if you're good at lying, you can get away with everything else. 